All right, John 13, 34, and 35. Jesus speaking, and he tells us that he has a new commandment, he says he gives to us, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, again, this is called the royal commandment of love. This is this is it pretty much. This is, this is what we do in the New Testament. Where they had a bunch of rules and regulations in the Old Testament, we have the law of love, okay? The law of love. And if we'll do this, if we'll love one another, how many know you won't steal from someone you love, right? You won't lie to someone you love. You won't hurt someone you love. You're not going to murder someone you love. That's why we don't have to memorize all these other things. We don't have to be concerned about it. Why? Because the love of God that is in us will, in fact, the Bible says that the love of God will restrain us. Okay. It will help us walk in love. All right. God didn't just say walk in love, do your best. See you later. (laughs) He put his love in us we can tell that from romans 5 5 the latter part of verse 5 chapter 5 says for we know how dearly god loves us because he has given us the holy spirit to fill our hearts with his love so he didn't just leave us hanging he required us to walk in love but as we received him what he filled our hearts with the love to be able to do it how many believe we can do what god told us to do Amen? God's not going to require you to do something that you're not capable of. Now, it might not be easy all the time, but the fact is you are more than capable. Listen to this. I was, as I was meditating on the first couple of verses, I wrote down, the love of God is the marker of a true disciple of Jesus. The love of God is a marker of a true disciple of Jesus. Meaning, remember, what did Jesus say? How will they know that we are his disciples? They'll know it by our love. Not because you're wearing the, you got the bumper sticker on your car, you got the bumper, you got the sticker on your Bible, not because of any of that, but because they see love. See, listen to me carefully. Our love is revealed through what we do. They see our lifestyle, they see our actions, and they see something's different about them. They're doing something unselfishly. They're laying down their lives. They're they're doing things that are not consistent with the world. The world thinks about itself. Now, it might try to put off a show that says, we're all about one another. You know, a nice Coca-Cola commercial. You know, remember, remember when everybody would sing together? Am I the only one in the room that remembers this? Okay. I mean, we all know. I mean, we got the world actually looking like we're linking arms. But it's only good until we disagree. When we disagree, then all bets are off. You know, and everybody's after everybody. And everybody, all you got to do is everybody can say, oh, we love each other. Then go ahead and lock them all in one building and set it on fire and let's see what happens. We'll see what happened to that love as they step on one another trying to get out. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. I mean, that's a harsh reality, but it's the truth. But praise God, there's something in us that is beyond that. Amen? 
God's love. And according to the word of God, God's very own love, his supernatural love, has been placed in our hearts by the Holy Spirit living in us. You need to acknowledge that. See, that love can grow. That love can develop, all right? And we can expand in love, amen? We want to abound in love. In fact, I want you to pray this with me, all right? And mean it, amen? Everybody say this with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I recognize in your word that my spirit, man, is already filled with your love. I will obey your command to love one another no matter how I feel. I choose to love others as you have loved me. I do ask this according to your word. And I ask that you would increase my love more and more so that I may abound in love towards others. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Did you mean that? If you meant that, amen, you prayed according to the word, you meant that, then God's answering that. He's going to give you opportunity to grow. (laughs) That means troubles are coming. Challenges are coming. Not that God's bringing the troubles or the challenge, but it's the troubles and challenges of life that are going to stretch you and cause you to grow. Amen. See, you need resistance to grow muscles, right? You need resistance. You've got to have a force working against you that you work against. It's the same thing growing anything else. And the more resistance you have and the more you walk in it, the more powerful you are. And so you might as well be prepared. You prayed it, and we all agreed. And so you're going to have opportunities to walk in love. Yay! Now, I want to look back at that scripture again, John 13, 34 and 35. I want you to notice something that sometimes we can let slip by, okay? How many believe this with me, that God means what he says and says what he means? That he doesn't waste words. That what he has written in his word for us, he wants us to clearly see. And I am a firm believer that if the Lord repeats something, if the Spirit of God has someone repeat something, that's a huge, big red flag to us. Pay attention to this. I mean, all these things are important. All of God's words are important. But he's saying this is really important. Beep, 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 you know, like those Las Vegas signs. They draw your attention. They do the job, don't they? Well, the Lord wants you to see something this morning. Look at verse 34. A new commandment I give to you. Now notice what he says, that you love one another. Everybody say, love one another. Now who is he talking to? Let me help you here. He says, you love one another. Now who is he talking to? Everybody say, me. Point your finger at yourself, me. So he's talking to you, right? He's talking to me. He's talking to all of us. And he says that you love one another one another. Now, he says, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Everybody say, love one another. So how many times have we heard love one another? Twice, right? Love one another. Now, let's go on. Verse 35, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You think the Lord is making a point? Do you think our loving one another is important to him? 
It's very important to him. And what he's trying to tell you is your whole life is hinged on it. If you want the successful life that God desires for you, the life that you really desire, that you, how many want to be healthy and strong and blessed and have a good life? Everybody in the room ought to say amen. And no one wants this, I'll take a sucky life. No one's doing that. No one wants a bad life. I mean, I'm not saying bad things don't happen, but that ain't because of the Lord. I mean, but the fact is, is that no one wants that. We want the good things in life, and God wants you to have them. But we need to pay attention when he says something like this. Love one another. Love one another. Love one another. And this is not, you can go into the book of John. I don't mean the gospel of John, even though the gospel of John actually has a lot to say about love. But when you get into, I'm talking about the later on in the epistles, First uh, John, Second John, Third John, Love, love, love. I mean, it's just like over and over and over. Love, love, love. And we're going to see today why this is so important. Many, many years ago, I was preparing and praying about the subject of love for some upcoming messages. And in the middle of the night, I woke up. And these words began to roll over inside me over and over and over. And that is, love equals a better quality of life. And over and over, love equals a better quality of life. And I knew immediately where the Lord was going with this, and that's where I want to go today. And so look with me at the beginning of 1 Corinthians 13, 8. We're going to look at the Amplified. And it says this, it says, Love never fails, never fades out, or becomes obsolete, or comes to an end. How many would agree this is literal? Love never comes to an end. It will never fade out. It will never become obsolete. What I'm trying to say here is walking in love is not a fad. It's not the thing that we do as Christians until the next great move of God happens. Walking in love or concentrating on the love of God or focusing on the love of God is something that all the children of God will do for all time. So you see, God is love and we are children of God, which means you and I are children of love. You are a child of the love of God. God is love and you are his children. Love is everything to us. Love is, when it comes down to it, the love of God is the center of our life. Everything comes back to love. And you'll see as we move along here, walking in love produces a better quality of life. My title for the message today is Love the Best Way. Okay, love the best way. It's the best way to live. Now let's kind of dig in here some. Look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And we're going to look at the first three verses. And this is the opening, by the way, to where Paul begins to uh, describe or show the qualities of love. And he says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels. How many would agree that's a lot of languages? Amen? That's a lot. He said, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. How many can understand this? 
Does it mean anything to you? If you don't walk in love, no matter what you know or what you say, it's meaningless. That's what he's saying. I mean, think about that. Verse 2, if I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. I would have gained nothing. Now let me ask you a question. I want everybody listening closely. Is it possible to do all kinds of things in the name of the Lord but not actually be walking in love. Yes. You could do all kinds of things. Isn't that what he talked about here? All kinds of things, but not actually be walking in love. Um, The beginning of Romans 12, verse 9 in the New Living says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Really love them. Now remember, I've taught you this, and it's very important that you get a hold of it. Love is more than words. Love must be expressed through action. It does something, all right? Love doesn't just talk a good game, but love is backed up by action. So don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. And then another translation says genuinely love others. You see, what we need to understand is our motive is the key. This scripture is essentially telling us that if our motive and purpose in life is not orbiting around the love of God, then everything we do is worthless. All that we do is empty and for nothing. It doesn't impress God one iota. You can give everything up. And it means nothing if love is not the motivation behind it. I don't know about you, but I want my life to count for something. I want to make a difference. How about you? I don't want to just be here and be gone, and that's the end of it. Listen, if you ought to write this down. Walking in the love of God brings meaning and value to your life and to the lives of others. Walking in the love of God brings meaning and value to your life and to the lives of others. There are many who live their life and they feel like, what's my purpose? Why am I here? They feel like they have no meaning, no value. What's going on? That's because they're not walking in the love of God. Now you're going to see a little bit further. You say, well, just walking in the love of God will do that. Well, let me connect some things that will help you. But I do want to point out that walking in the love of God will bring about a better quality of life. Now let me tie some things together. Okay, We're going to thread some of the word together to help you. Why did Jesus come? Jesus told us in John 10.10 that I've come to what? That they might have life and then they might have that life more abundantly, right? That's why he came. How many remember that scripture, right? You're probably looking at it right now. And so... God came to give us life. Jesus came from heaven, gave up his life there to give us life, 
to give us the life of God. What, what does that mean? If he's got to give us the life of God, what are we lacking? The life of God, right? We don't have it without him. But he came to give us the life of God and give that to us overflowing. The New Living Translation says, My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So God wants to give us a rich and satisfying life. The Message Bible in John 10.10 says, I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. That is not possible without Jesus. But He wants to give you a better life. Better than you've ever imagined. Better than you've ever dreamed of. He wants to give you. Isn't that cool? Isn't that exciting? Some of you need to convince your face of it. I mean, God wants to give you better than you've ever imagined. I've imagined pretty good in some things. But I'm telling you, He wants to exceed them. He wants to go beyond them. He wants to give you a better life, more. You could never have the life that He wants for you without Him. All right? The eternal life of God that Jesus came to give us is more than a length of time. But it's also referring to the quality of life. Now, whose life have we received? (laughs) Well, he is like, but the life of God. Everybody say, the life of God. Everybody, all right? The life of God. All right, I think, I'm I'm looking at lips, all right? I like participation. That means you're awake and you're paying attention, all right? But some people, because the life of God, and I mean, their eyes are wide open, but they're snoozing away, you know? (laughs) Listen, he came to give us the life of God. Now, remember this. Everybody say this, God is love. So he came to give us the life of God, but God is love. So the life of God is love the life of god is love you can't separate the life of god from the love of god they're one and the same and i want that to burn in your thinking today that the life of god that rich satisfying life that life beyond my wildest dreams is connect contained within the love of god all right. So in John 17, 3, if you want to write this down, in John 17, 3, Jesus says something interesting. He told us what eternal life was. How many of you would like to know what eternal life is by Jesus' own explanation? His explanation is this knowing intimately or intimately knowing God the Father and Jesus. Intimately knowing. God the Father and Jesus, meaning having an intimate uh, connection to them, an intimate fellowship with them, that is eternal life. It's not really what we think. We think eternal life, we think of, you know, time and, and that type of thing. But eternal life, or the life of God, which is contained in the love of God, is knowing intimately. Everybody say intimately. Not a casual acquaintance. Many believers have a casual acquaintance. What do I mean? They know about God. They don't know Him. They know about Him. 
They know about Jesus. Is there a difference in knowing about me and some facts about me than actually knowing me? All right? I'll give you a good example. What is my favorite drink? Everybody yell it out. Okay, come on. Most, some of you have been around me a long time. What is my favorite drink? Thank you. Man up. Jeez. Dang it, Pepsi. <laughs> come on. Just come out and say it bold. Everybody's afraid they're going to get the wrong answer. You know. Listen, you know that. Why? You've been around me, right? You know me. You've seen what I like. What is one of Larry's favorite meals? <laughs> now, how do we know that? Well, pastor, you joke about it all the time. <laughs> but I only joke about it because it's the truth. He likes, you know, fried chicken, you know. I mean, that doesn't mean it's the only thing he eats, but it's certainly one of the top number one items. <laughs> But the fact is this, how do we know that? There's no fact book on me. How'd you get to know that? You hung around me. You, 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 how many of you think you know my voice? I mean, you should have. I mean, even if your eyes are closed, you're still hearing me. <laughs> you know. Well, you should recognize me. If you heard me, and let's say I called you, and it takes a second to realize, I know who this is, you know. I don't know why he's calling me, but I recognize that it's pastor, you know. And you recognize my voice. Now, how do you know my voice? You've heard it over and over. You, you've been around me. Are you seeing this? Well, see, knowing about someone, we can know facts about people. Like, for example, I don't know Billy Graham, but I know some things about him. Well, there's a lot of Christians that know some things about God, but they don't really know him. They don't really know Jesus. They're not talking to him. They're not communicating with him. They just are connected by relationship. How many know I can be related to someone but not really know them? I got relatives all over the place, right? I'm sure some of them would claim me. But the fact is, that doesn't mean they know me, right? Or I know them. Are you guys getting this? There's a lot of Christians related to God the Father. They received him. They receive the free gift of Jesus, but they know about him, but they really don't know him. And what Jesus is saying is eternal life, that life of God that he came to give us, is expressed in our life how? By intimately knowing him. By getting to know him, not just learn facts about him. Amen? It's like being a doer of the word, not just a hearer of the word. All right. Now, I don't want to get lost in that. Let's go with me to 1 John chapter 4, and let's look at verses 7 through 9. Okay, many of you know this one. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God sent, has sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Everybody say, live through Him. I want you to remember that. Live through Him. Okay? Live through who? Well, who is God? God is love. Okay? We live through Him. What did He came to give us? He came to give us the life of God. 
okay? I want you to connect these things. I'm trying to thread them together here, okay? So let's read this verse of uh, these verses again real quick. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God. All right? Remember, when you're born again, what moves, what moves inside you? The Holy Spirit, with the love of God, His nature, who He is, moved inside your spirit. And that's, what, that's you being born of God. And if you're born of God, you know God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Can a sinner who's never received Jesus know God? Why are you guys scratching your head? We just read it. Let's read it again. Because, again, afraid to say, listen, take the word for what it says. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Can a sinner know God? Thank you. How can a sinner know God if God is love and the sinner is not born of God, therefore he doesn't know love? (laughs) Are you seeing that? You have to be born of God. You have to have the nature of God, the life of God, to know God. You guys see that? Some of you just told, huh? You need to go over these verses a few times, okay? Get just don't just well, I know the song, beloved, let us love. You know, I mean, don't just do that and and, and you miss the whole point. Meditate, ask God, reveal to me what this is saying. Because there's so much life, guys, in these few verses. But essentially what we're saying here is listen carefully. If we know God. We know love. All right? If we know God, we know love. Now, notice carefully in verse 9, it says here at the end that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might what? Live through him. What did Jesus came to give us? The life of God so that we might live through him. So, what I'm trying to say is this listen carefully. You ought to write this down. God is love. And the love of God is the key to abundant life. God is love, and the love of God is the key to abundant life. The key to the abundant life that God came to give us comes through the love of God. I'm going to say it again. Love equals a better quality of life. Love equals a better quality of life. Love is most definitely the best way to live. Now, let's take it a step further. 1 Corinthians 13, let's look at the qualities of love, verses 4 through 7 in the New Living Translation. All right? It says, Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. We're still talking about love, so love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable. Love keeps no record of being wronged. It's not keeping track. Love does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. In other words, love is not rejoicing when bad is done, okay, ever, all right? It's only rejoicing, not even to our enemy. See, sometimes we think, oh, we can rejoice if our enemy got what's coming to him. No, 
He doesn't rejoice at injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Verse 7, love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Now, how many would agree these qualities are good qualities? Right? I mean, that's what we ought to desire to walk in. Let me ask you a question. All right, you ready? Would the world be a better place if everybody walked in these qualities? I want you to think about this for a moment. Just really think about it. Listen to me. If everyone was patient, if everyone was kind, if no one was jealous, no one was boastful, no one was rude, that one alone would be cool. I mean, no, no, listen, no one demanded their own way. Would the world be better off? We'd stop all wars, wouldn't we? We'd solve every problem. You say, well, pastor, that's not possible. It is too. Who did God give dominion to? You, me. And if we got an agreement, oh, there's nothing that could stop us. Nothing. Remember the tower that they were going to build? Remember back in Genesis? These guys, now don't get me wrong, these guys were sinners as sinners come, okay? But they were working together. Remember, they all had one language, remember? And they were working together, saying, let's build a tower that goes all the way up. And the Lord said, what? Nothing can keep them from what they can imagine. God made us in His image. Is there anything God can't do? We're right there. You hear me? We're right there. And if the world walked in the love of God, we could fix everything in just a few months. If we could get together and people actually started listening to one another and no one was demanding their own way and and no one worried about race and color, no one worried about this or that, Think about what we could accomplish. Now, don't get me wrong. That's a fairy tale and not going to happen completely. But the reality is, and it's not going to happen because of sin. Okay? I know you're laughing at me, Bob. But it'd be a wonderful thought, but the reality is, it's not going to happen. Okay? It's not going to happen because of sin, because of the fall, and because not everybody's born again. And we can't even get the ones that are born again to walk in it. you got the whole church arguing with one another. Amen? The body of Christ can't even agree on some things. (laughs) Am I right? I mean, so the fact is, is that that's, it'd be a wonderful idea, but the reality is we cannot force the world to do it, okay? But you know what we can do? As individuals, we can decide. For me and my house, for me, I'm going to walk in love. I can't force you, and I can't force you, and I can't force you. But I'm going to walk in love. Listen carefully. You need to make a decision to walk in love for yourself. You can't cause anybody else to do it. And God would never, ever consider making someone else do it. That's not in God's nature. If he was going to do that, then he could have just did it with Adam and Eve, right? We wouldn't have had the whole fall. But the problem is then we'd be puppets on a string being controlled. See, God wanted you to give your heart to him freely freely right 
freely. Just no one's controlling you. No one's doing anything. You decided you wanted to. Well, you need to freely decide, I'm going to walk in love. Now, let me ask you a question. You all agreed that if the world, everyone walked in love, man, it'd be just awesome, you know? I mean, it'd be a wonderful thought, but what about, what would it do in your life if you chose love every time? Every time. Every time. In your marriage, with family, with friends, co-workers, when you're shopping, when you're shopping, when you're shopping, you know, sometimes that's my most, I don't go shopping with Lisa anymore. I leave her alone and let her do it because I just, it's just an opportunity for me to walk in love. I mean, so I might as well just sit, shut up and let her do her thing, you know. It's like going out to eat. You know, I'm one of these guys that I won't want to wait more than 10 minutes in a restaurant. If they say it's 45 minutes, I'm like, see ya. You know, I mean, it better be one big thrill for me to stay longer than 10 minutes. You know, I just don't like it. You know, I mean, now if somebody invites me and we end up, then I'm going to be gracious and shut up and, and I'll make it through it. <laughs> you know, but what I'm trying to say is, is that, that I, I try to avoid certain things that I know It'll just fire me up anyway, so y'all know what I'm talking about. I get wise enough, you know, not to keep on touching the same thing that burns me. <laughs> I've learned that, hey, you know, that kind of bugs me a little bit, so I'm just going to stay over here. <laughs> you know, why put myself in a position to get upset? Boy, I'm telling you, a lot of husbands could learn that one, you know. I mean, if my wife wants to go shopping, us here. i'll be sitting over there reading you know amen most wives ought to say amen to that one right there but again nothing all right i've just departed good wisdom anyway listen to me we may not be able to cause the world to walk in love but again we can make a decision to walk in love in our own life and doing that is not a one time i've done it Doing that is waking up every morning saying, today, I'm going to walk in love. At everything that comes at me, I'm going to choose love. I'm going to choose love. I'm going to practice it. And when I make a mistake, I'm going to get right back on the bike. I'm going to repent, get right back on, and I'm going to keep on going. And my goal is, let me ask you this, how much would you sin if you chose love all the time? Think about it. Not very often, right? In other words, you won't have to be concerned about it. So in other words, the goal is that sin, me and sin are farther and farther and farther apart. Amen? Amen? Praise God. We can grow in this thing. So let's talk about real quickly practicing real love. Okay, Getting down to the nitty gritty. Romans chapter 12 verses 9 and 11. It says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Everybody, say, let's say that with me at the end there. Take delight in honoring each other. Amen? Not keeping score. Not, I did it last time. You know, not that kind of thing, but taking delight in honoring each other taking delight we ought to be almost fussing over a little bit of no 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 you pick no no what do you want amen now my wife and i can get in a real good one over that you know 
<laughs> I'm really trying to be sincere. Now shut up, woman, and let me. You know, I'm really trying here, you know. <laughs> but the fact is, is that, you know, it ought to be, you're out in a group. You ought to be fighting over the check to pay for it. Amen? You ought to be looking for ways to be a blessing. You ought not to be looking for ways to get blessed. Focus on how can I be a blessing? How can I help them? How can I bless their life? What can I do? How can I honor them? How can I prefer others around me? And be that way all the time. And not concern yourself with yourself. Because why? You reap what you sow. God took care of that, right? Everybody say it with me. You reap what you sow. So that will take care of itself, won't you? If I'm always sowing and blessing others, eventually it's going to come and get me. And it's going to keep on coming at me. Pressed down, shaking together, running over. So in other words, if you live the love life, what's eventually going to happen? Eventually, that same love that you're always dishing out, that same love that you're always sowing into the lives of others is going to begin to come back. Now, it might take a little time. But eventually, if you stay at it, eventually you're going to start reaping that harvest. And guess what's going to come on every wave? It's just going to be, you're just going to be blessed. Love, listen to me, everybody say it with me. Love equals a better quality of life. How many like that idea? It's the, be, it's the best way to go. Love is the best way. So Jesus sets the standard of love, okay? Before Jesus went to the cross, okay? I'm talking about just, we're coming up on just hours away, all right? He has a supper, remember, with his disciples, and he's going to begin to share the commandment of love with them, all right? But before he does that, he shows the most excellent expression of love from him to them. Remember, what did Jesus say? I did not come to be served, but what? To serve okay what was he he was the manifestation of the love of god he was god's love on two legs all right and he showed us how to live this look with me in john 13 you see he gave us an example and a standard to follow by washing the disciples feet in john 13 verse 12 so when he had washed their feet taken his garments and sat down again. Now, some of you might say, what is the big deal about washing his feet? Well, first of all, the foot washing thing was usually done by the lowest position in the home, or like a slave or someone just in a very lowly, 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 lowly position. Okay, And the foot washing thing was a courtesy. All right? Uh, first of all, they would be walking around in sandals or possibly barefoot. How many know that their feet are dirty? All right. And so it was a courtesy. It was a way to express hospitality. All right. So um, next time I come over to your house, you guys can go ahead and wash my feet. I'm just kidding. I'll take a cheese plate or something like that. <laughs> I don't want you washing my feet. But, but what I'm trying to say is Jesus, the master, the creator of the universe got on his knees <laughs> and with his own cloth washed their feet. He took the position of the most lowly servant you can. Do you think Jesus was ashamed 
Do you think he looked or felt bad about himself? But yet, that's what the world would say to us, wouldn't it? Would shame us. You see someone on a work day, some woman cleaning behind a toilet. Boy, I'm glad not to be her. I'd rather be doing whatever, thinking that maybe one is better than another. And Jesus here is washing their feet. And that was such a powerful statement. God Almighty on His knees washing their feet. So let's read what He says here, verse 12. So when He had washed their feet, taken His garments and sat down again, He said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call Me Teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then... Your Lord and teacher have washed your feet. You also ought to wash one another's feet. Now, was he talking about that should be something we institute and we always wash one another's feet? No. What was he saying? He was saying, serve one another. Now, what did he tell us? What is our commandment to love one another? How is love expressed? Through action. Through service. What is the key to abundant life? Through love. How do we honor? How do we love? Through action. Are you seeing this, guys? Are you seeing this? How do we have that better quality of life? We serve. We prefer one another. We honor God. We don't just give God's words. We don't just give Him words with our life. But we express it out of our hearts in action. Now notice what he says, verse 15. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who sent greater than he who sent him. Now notice verse 17 carefully. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Who's the blessed ones? The ones that know about it but don't act on it? Look what he says. Blessed are you if you do them. Say it with me. Blessed are you if you do them. If you do them, blessed are you. Man, that excites me. That it's not, guys, about uh, growing and growing and growing in the Lord and escalating in position and power. It's about who can serve. It's about who's willing to lay their life down for someone else without saying, look what I've done, Lord. See, when your heart lives that way, blessing ensues. It just, it, it's like you're a magnet. You're not looking for these things. You're seeking first what? The kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? What was he saying? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. What does that mean? His way of living. His way of being. Do you see, what did Jesus do? What did he do? And blessed are you if you do them. The blessing of God, guys, is not found in a four-point formula. The blessing of God is found in the love of God being expressed in your life. Can you see that? And it needs to be done on purpose. It's what you live for. It's how you live your life. Blessed are you if you walk in love, if you prefer one another, if you serve one another. And remember, you reap what you sow. So God took care of that. So we don't have to concentrate on, well, what about me? 
Don't you worry about you, because remember, love isn't selfish. Love isn't thinking of itself, but God will take care of you. Do you really think that you could serve God in such an excellent way by serving others and God not see it and notice it and reward it? Of course he would. And he took care of that by setting in motion the law of reaping and sowing. Look with me at one last scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, the beginning in the Amplified. I want you to see this. This is so powerful. Look what it says. Eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim, your great quest. Your great quest. How many of you would love a quest in life? A quest. You know what I'm saying? It sounds cool, doesn't it? The quest. You know, we're going after it. Well, this is what God... What, listen, look at me what God is saying. Eagerly pursue. Eagerly pursue it. What does pursue mean? Chase after it. Put effort into it. Focus on it. And then what it says, seek to acquire this. Seek to obtain this. What? The love of God in